It's a toodle toodle Tuesday, fun lovers, and though the snow may be gone from the beautiful shore of our Lake Laceno, we'll meet again. There's still plenty to look forward to as some skinny men are bicycling into town today. Stage four of the Giro d'Italia rolls in, so expect traffic delays on all approaches, queues at the checkouts in the local spa, and heavy littering. <laughs> That's bike racing, folks. Enjoy the day. Make sure you take a selfie as the peloton passes and stay tuned. But for now, here's Don Henley and the Boys of Summer. Well, I wake up in Capolese, up in the, the, the hills, the Apennines, not that far actually, just a, maybe 100 kilometres or so from Naples, uh, cross back into Campa- Campania, just north of uh, Basilicata. It's rainy, it's damp, it's drizzly, it is uh, however, if you can kind of imagine the clouds away. Um, very, very beautiful up here and, um, and pretty remote as well and it has its own com- completely identifiable and different character. Um, we, st- we stayed the night in this, I hesitate to call it a, a hotel, although I suppose it was, but it was more a kind of a accommodation block, a little bit mildewy and run down to be honest, with hundreds of rooms, um, built quite specifically to accommodate pilgrims who make their way, I would imagine, in their droves during the summer months in particular to Capolese, because it's, for Catholics, quite a, it's quite a holy place, um, quite specifically because it's the place of the, uh, um, where... San Gerardo Maiella uh, lived and died, and where he, uh, where his the miracles that are ascribed to his lifetime in the early 18th century are believed to have taken place. So San Gerardo Maiella was the son of a uh, tailor and had an interesting life working with the poor in Naples, um, always giving uh, giving away all that he could to help the poor. Um, he then he had a, did a variety of things and ended up becoming the chief of the works in Capolese, which is this hilltop town um, in these uh, wooded hillsides, very steep wooded hillsides, um, uh, on some, some construction that was happening there. And at one point he was accused by a uh, young woman who had fallen pregnant. Um, she accused him publicly of having fathered her unborn child, which uh, according to legend or according to the, the, the story is not true. Um, however, in order to protect the actual father of the unborn child, um, San Gerardo took it upon himself to to take the take the responsibility, uh, even though it was not true. And eventually, I think the truth um, did emerge, and it, he was uh, greatly revered for having uh, been as honourable as he was. Um, not only that, um, and, and yeah, slightly more miraculously, he's um, believed to have managed to make sacks of wheat multiply um, to feed the poor. Uh, he was once seen walking across the water of a lake, a, le- a nearby lake. Uh, he could read human souls, and uh, he was a uh, practitioner of a spiritual phenomenon called bilocation. So he could, ap- excuse me, he could appear simultaneously in multiple places, uh, San Gerardo. And there's a there's a 1960s um, very modernist uh, sanctuary chapel built in his name um, right next to the hotel that we stayed in last night that I just popped my head in to see and it's um that's the closest thing I've seen in Italy to Coventry Cathedral actually beautiful blocks of stained glass um uh, quite abstract stained glass and um a little bit like actually Liverpool Cathedral now I think about it rather than Coventry it's got a kind of like wonderful sweeping 
uh, tent-like um, roof made of wood. Quite a stunning bit of architecture, actually. Anyway, uh, stage four. We are in the hills, and um, yeah, I've just had a cup of coffee in a cafe around the corner. Where inside, uh, step inside the cafe. Actually, I've just been out on the terrace. I'll step inside now. You can hear some music playing from the the television. That's um, what's playing here. VH1. This is the top Italian charts at the moment. In at number four, this is Maroon 5 and Makes Me Wonder. And enjoying the music and uh, enjoying his prep um, that he's doing already. Quite ahead of time, actually. He's beaten me to the prep. Is Matt. Good morning, Matt. Morning. Morning, Ned. Um, uh, yeah, that's just quite nice, this, isn't it? I'm, uh, although it's relatively low light, so I'm having to use the light on my phone so I can see the distances to go on the King of the Mountains classifications, which is worrying. It's murky outside, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, murky. I've not properly sported. So my aim is, yeah, my aim is, is to do this prep so I can go for a little bit of walk when we get to the finish area. That's my plan. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That's my plan, yeah. But yeah, uh, murky today. Got a bit of a transfer to get to the um, finish line. We're going to set off shortly. Um, and while we make that drive in a kind of like constructed timeline that mirrors that in this within this podcast, I think we can step back now and um, hear the... The update that has just arrived on my telephone from young Charlie Quarterman and his team were in the thick of the action yesterday. Ciao, this is Charlie Quarterman reporting live from somewhere in the south of Italy, I think. Uh, yesterday, my, my two teammates, Alex Konichev and uh, Verko Stojnic, went in, went in the break, just two guys out front for... Um, 180k in the end, I think, on a stage of 220. Um, it's definitely a long day. I did ask, they rolled off the front, just the two of them in the start, and I did ask on the radio, um, do you guys fancy some company? But the the directors said that two was enough, and uh, it's true, it wouldn't wouldn't be particularly wise to use all of <laughs> all of our guys in one in one go. Although. Would be interesting if the whole team managed to get the break, just us, and we had a team time trial. Anyway, that's uh, that's not what happened, so it's uh, irrelevant. Um, how did how did they get on? I think it was just a long day. Just as for us, it was a long day. Um, they didn't actually have to ride that hard for most of it because uh, it is of course the the breakaway that dictate dictates the pace, and it's the peloton that keeps an eye on them and, and brings them back when they want um, so yeah obviously they had to ride pretty hard to, to always be at 43-44 kilometers per hour on the flat but it wasn't full gas as we say for, for 5 hours it was just the last hour before they climbed they really turned it on um, and, and that's it really I think they're a little bit Disappointed to have not been able to to go further on the climb. They wanted to take the the GPM the KOM jersey, which is fair enough. And they said that maybe in in the the old uh, the old fashioned cycling, the cycling of ten twenty years ago, they would have been uh, allowed a bit more time and might have been able to take it. But um, that's not what happened. Um, and but they're just happy to be out front. It's clear that it was just a TV breakaway. Ah. The inside scoop is that um, today there was actually yesterday there was one of the owners of Karatech that was commentating on Eurosport uh, Germany, I believe, and that was part of the motivation. That's why we absolutely had to be in the break. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the nature of the of the break formation in the first uh, the first couple of days and the 
the tactics in a, in a pro Conti team in the Giro. But yeah, we'll see how they feel today. Uh, today starts on the climbs and it, it looks like it's going to be a hard one all day, so we'll see how they get on. Basically, we're, we're playing pinball, Deadpool pinball, in the bar that I'm doing my prepping. Yeah, we've delayed our departure because it seems important just to have a quick quick game of flipper, didn't it? It's a, yeah, it's Deadpool, isn't it? It, it is. It's yeah. all the Marvel characters. Wolverine's in the mix there as well. Ned's up first. That was the sound of the bing. I don't know whether you choose my specs or not. No, I'll go without my specs, I think. It's good, good flipper work there, mate. Yep. That was, look at it, just Beautiful. captured it and then just... The way you flipped it... Look at that, look at that. Confident, that, isn't it? Oh, I don't think this is going to be the best part of the pod, to be honest, Matt. If you visualise it, it's a particularly advanced pinball machine, isn't it? There's that computer screen yeah. embedded at the top as well for added Back value. Battle, shoot dead and... Oh, crikey. Just, I was distracted by the LED... Oh, oh. gone. Oh, it's gone. Uh, so let's toss up the points. Uh, Jacko, Jacko, you're on. Oh, so, on. two players. On. Okay, right. I'm on 3,385,040 points, which is quite a good start. Oh, that's it. Gone. Um, it, was a short, it was a short game. Bull saved. Oh, you're oh, on again. Oh, oh shit. But we didn't. Sorry. Sorry. Explicit episode. Explicit yeah. episode. Um, two th- you're on two. Nonetheless, you've got 2,603,000. That's not bad for five mm-hmm. seconds of gameplay. Yeah, OK. I think that's probably enough yeah. flipper, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Actually, just a little pinball update. Um, this is Matt's final go. I, I, I had a sensational third ball, and I'm now on 12 million, 800, but that's it. So 12 million is the target. That's what Matt's got to um, aim for. And, well, I think that might be, let's see what the that bonus is. Down the back. Your bonus was 10. It's not, not quite. Uh, oh, 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 no, you, oh, that's <laughs> it. Oh, no. No, that was just the, ga- that's yeah. the game ended. So the scores in the end, game over. Ned, 12 million. 8,990 Giacatori 2 Matt about 3,800,000 just under 4 million quite an emphatic win I'll take that finally arrived at the finish line and um, the view from the window through the um, of our commentary position through the, the, the spots of rain it has to be said that are I was going to use the word festooned again, but I'm going to steer clear of it. That I adhered to the surface of the glass. Um, the view is lovely. There's a there's a lake, as the uh, name of the Finnish suggests, Lago Laceno, uh, which is it's not a huge lake, more of a overgrown pond actually, but it's surrounded by um, rolling green hills. And uh, yeah, the last so they climb up really quite a stiff climb. And then the last two and a half kilometres are flat all the way, sort of skirting around the side of the lake to finish in uh, Lago Laceno. And, um, yeah, and the weather's, I don't know, it might just clear up. It's been pretty grim all mornings, but midday now, and uh, just the sense that the clouds might lift. And I hope so, because at the moment it looks like the helicopter won't get up, and uh, a lot of the beauty of this of this particular finish will be hidden from the TV cameras because the clouds are so low. In fact, as we're driving up the final climb, which has a steep few kilometres uh, in the middle of it, uh, we actually kind of pushed through a cloud and it got so dark that um, it was all kind of headlights and all that sort of thing. Um, Domenico Pozzovivo won here in Matt. What year was it? 2012. 2012 Pozzovivo, who's relatively solo. 
which means only. On, on your own? That's another way of saying it, yeah. Um, but Matt, it was quite an adventure getting here, wasn't it? Yeah, we'd, we'd heard, um, and it would, we'd, we'd double-checked, it was a half-an-hour drive, ended up, ended up being an hour, um, several deviations, um, and clearly multiple ways to get to exactly the same place, of which we took pretty much all of them. Yeah, um, <laughs> left no stone unturned. Yeah, and we had Jess with us who had um, was running a little bit late, um, and we're basically the other side of a lake, and we drove, so it's about 6K, round this lake to get to, we followed the signs to, to, to where we needed to park, and we were told, uh, quite bluntly, that we weren't welcome to park. We're going to go back all the way around. Oh, one the of the Carabinieri. Yeah. And might have had a drink for all I know. Yeah, it probably well, it's that time of day, isn't it? Well, it probably would have at least two Baileys with espresso. Uh, and a Moretti. And probably a Moretti in the, in the mix there. Yeah, uh, so and uh, you said, il giro. So, so you've got to do the, the not don't do the whole Giro d'Italia, that'd be crazy, that would take week, one, three weeks, wouldn't it? Yeah. But what he meant was go round the lake again. But what was lovely about the trip back, I mean, um, Jess had to walk, and I think she, she did a little bit quicker than us, was how many Landias we saw uh, on the way. Well, you, the, a, well you, you did refer in a couple of days ago to Giro Landia, which yeah. is a circus-themed um, amusement facility uh, <laughs> at the start line, designed for fun and to celebrate the history of the Giro d'Italia. We've not actually been inside it. Um, so we don't, we don't, we just look at it, we just, just gaze at it. it, we gaze at it from afar, it's sort of like um, circus themed tops, it's it's canvas, some um, yeah, circus based awnings. It's like a, I think it's like a stationary caravan, uh, basically, but that's what it is, but we'd never get to go because it's always shut when we get here, yeah. and it opens when we go on air. I'm alright with that. Um, uh, but we have noticed just on this, you know, been to Italy a lot down, down the years. Um, but I've not noticed before that Italy's particular fascination with branding things Landia. So you could put any word in front of the word Landia, and hey presto, you've got a kind of um, amusement amusement arcade to celebrate whatever it is, whatever prefix you attach to the word Landia. Yeah, like a themed land. I mean, um, one one thing I haven't seen is Artichoke Landia. You came up with absolute corker. Michael Lander, Landia. Well, he's very popular in Italy. Some of his best racing has been at the Giro, and we thought potentially, you know, it's, it's his, perhaps his powers ebb and wane. They're on the wane slightly as a, you know, Grand Tour contender. He's got to look to the future and an income stream post racing. He might want to attach to the Giro, Landa Landia. Yeah, a little, probably not as big as Giro Landia, but a little Landa Landia, and the, and the big logo we did, a giant pair of, um, not using human hair, but just enormous eyebrows. Um, but again, these are just ideas, but Landia, exceptionally popular. And a roller coaster that shoots you down to around about seventh and then catapults you up to third, but no no higher than that. But no, then, then down to twelfth, back up to fourth, eighth, then third. That's the Landa Landia roller coaster. <laughs> and we also thought the possibility of having Podlandia as well. Yes, we, we were discussing what that would look like. It would obviously be you know, a visual treat, but because podcasts are primarily audio-based, what would that land look like and how would you enter into it? I think that's something we need to kind of flesh out a bit further. Uh, yeah, you'd have, to, you'd have to enter as an MP3. <laughs> it would. Uh, but we're talking about possibly, possible blow-up Pete Kenyaks and blow-up Dave Millers. Yeah. Uh, enormous ones yeah. like, with, with generators like pump, pumping uh, air into them like we see on the finishing straights, especially in the Tour of Poland. Yeah, but uh, those ones that, 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 that kind of like, they wave around a lot. In yeah. the way they're quite, you know, just like with their arms flapping around <laughs> like that. You'd like that. So it, it, yeah. it would be akin to you... Getting to the start, getting into our booth, and getting all the stuff out of your out of your rucksack—that yeah. would be what it would like, wouldn't yeah. it? Something like that. Yeah. And we were debating whether or not you could have an inflatable figure. I think we'd have to get a year or two before you've. Be yeah. Well, I wouldn't expect that now, but if I did get one, early doors, all I'd expect is like something like a third of the size. That'd be fine. <laughs> um, we're going to try and get a coffee I think, at some point. Um, Davide, have you got the results, Davide? 
Uh, oh, they're there. Brilliant. He's just delivered them. Thank you Thank so you much. Grazie mille. Just going to have a look at the results, actually, because it, it, what is of interest today, I think, and David flagged it up on the pod yesterday, was this um, slight notion. It does happen. It does happen from time to time that um, riders deliberately lose time with with vis-a-vis a, a kind of stage today. And we, we noticed, and you noticed as well, that McNulty sort of sat up in a surprisingly unnecessary fashion. Yeah, and he, he didn't... It, it looked slightly pre-planned. I mean, uh, that remains to be... We can't prove that, but um, because he then was back in action taking Almeida back wasn't he and looked pretty fresh doing that mm-hmm. didn't look like he was at the, the edge of his limitations did it at all so one to watch. it's one to watch isn't it? it's definitely one to watch but um and the other question is though will will we see the jersey change hands today it's still it's a difficult one but I I think Remco well he's he stated pretty much with a megaphone I that's what they want to do he'd, wa- he'd want he'd want it my interpretation is that's the ideal outcome for them it, 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 they'd want to finish the day with that having happened, but they won't want to, you know, they're not going to do anything risky or crazy or kind of, you know, it's going to be very managed, isn't it? It's going to be quite difficult to manage. And the other factor is, as we were thinking about on, on the climb, you know, what role might Jumbo Visma have in all of this? Because they might want to bring it back for um, the stage finish because that's the Roglic method. You know, it is a climb potentially that would suit Primoz Roglic. I mean, that, that suits Avina Pool as well, for heaven's sake, but, you know, it's a climb that Roglic would quite embrace. Yeah. <clears throat> Albeit, quite difficult to solo over the top of that with 3k to go and hold on to any advantage. Yeah. But they, but they well, might... It's a tailwind. But it's, it is, it, it does... We were sort of exhaling, ooh, ah, as we went up round the climb and looking at pictures that could suit particular sorts of riders, but I do agree. But again, I just think we might be a little bit too early. Um, and I have a feeling... I don't think the climb is selective enough, to, enough for, for Evenepoel to lose all of his teammates either. I think Van Wilder no, uh, right. would be there as well. It's not so long enough, is it? No, it no. need to be a sustained, right. steep yeah. climb for Roglic to take any time. But as but you say, it's massively, that's massively significant, isn't it? Because any little gap that anyone takes over the top, if he's got one or two teammates with him, there's enough road potentially to close any kind of a gap. So um, could be quite could be quite a neutralised GC race today. Let's um. Let's just be honest about it. Anyway, let's also be honest about the fact that you'll be listening to this and you already know the outcome, which is an infinite advantage vis-a-vis the podcast listener over us because they're talking from a position in the future that we can't know. God, that's quite rainforest. Land of Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the beautiful banks of Lago Lacino. It's the first real test for the climbers today with a giant question mark hanging over the race as well. Will the break make it to the finish line and could there be a new Maglia Rosa at the end of the action? Well, before we get the answer to that, there's the small matter of three Category 2 climbs to get up and over. And just a chance that all the jerseys could change hands. Simply... And I say simply after all that they've been through has to come off the wheel of the Norwegian and sprint to victory for the greatest moments in his career. The Frenchman is within touching distance of victory at a Grand Tour. Here he comes, Paré Pantra. We know he's got a sprint on him. He rips past Lechnesen and Julie hits the front and he'll hang on Aurélien Paré Pantra. Victory for France! With the, the World Feed commentators are no longer on site which um, we both think slightly diminishes the sight 
Um, and off we roll. <laughs> off we roll. Are the people talking about that as well? It's like, oh, they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. Shame. It's kind of lacks important. You can feel it almost deflate. Yeah. Everyone just like their shoulders sag slightly as they see us getting in our, yeah. our hire car and driving off. I've seen a couple of grown men um, like just dab, just, just dab in their eyes. Understandably. We pushed our way through, um, well, there were some people stacking up portaloos on the back of uh, one of those flatbed trucks. Um, they were a trio of um, what I call Prozac dogs. Um, seems to be a feature of Campania that um, the, the stray dogs, of whom there are quite a few here, are uh, really nice. They're just lovely. Do you know the thing that I, I sense about? Sorry, Ned. That, that I, 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 they're looking after that. They are acting, they're th- three strays that we saw, acting as a pack, and they're all hanging around with each other, and they're clearly looking after each other, aren't they? Like a little family, like a little family of dogs. When I drove off to the supermarket this morning on my own through the rain, there were two Prozac dogs, obviously just mates. And um, I was going down a road like this, and uh, one of them like just had to, was about to dart across the road to go and see his mate, but he saw me coming. He just stopped and went, come on. And I, and I, I drove through the gap between them, and I looked in my rearview rear mirror, and matey boy just, so, as soon as I passed, he just kind of like skipped across the road, and they were, tails was wagging like that. They were just having a little catch-up. That's like that is nice. That is, it's lovely. It's, um, it's, we don't often talk about it. With, uh, did, did you ever talk about it in your pods about the, our, our, our little friend uh, Demiano? The, don't, the, the met in Sicily, in I don't think I did. Down the years, there's been plenty of chat yeah. about dogs. Um, often at the Giro, actually, Matt, because I, you know, I go for a run most mornings. Yeah. Uh, you, well, you know this. I have a constant running battle, literally running battle, you know it's a battle when you're running, with, yeah. with dogs, particularly in Sicily, where. Yeah. The stakes, the stakes are high. I know this is the Jira, not the Jira Sicilia, but do you remember that? We went for a walk, and it was an awful walk in the end, wasn't it? We found a good bar in the end, but there were two roads we walked up, saw dogs, just walked back down again. Terrifying. We triggered them. <laughs> we triggered the we dogs. Triggered, we triggered them. It was at dusk as well, wasn't it, where they like a little yeah. bark off. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was awful and terrifying. Um, but... Um, but yeah, the dogs around here are kind of really, really quite benign. No, yeah, the dog we met in Sicily was we, we, he just came. We stayed at a lovely Agri Turismo one year, and we we arrived in, in good time, didn't we? Yep. And so we just went for a little walk when hillsides a bit like this, and um, the Agri Turismo dog came with us, just like and we walked for you know half an hour, and just accompanied us, and it was really nice. And we throwing sticks for it and pretending it was ours. Yeah, it was. We, we got we. I think it's fair to say we, we briefly got emotionally attached, didn't we? So much so that we named it, and we'd still often, when we see other dogs, or just in just doing things, it comes into our frame of reference, doesn't it? We, we talk about Damiano, the, the Sicilian dog, and it's over a year ago. And of course he wasn't called, I don't know what his real name was, but we called him Damiano because mm. that was the addition of the race that Damiano Caruso won. Yeah. And Damiano Caruso is famously red-headed, yes. and this was a, a red-haired dog. I mean, this climb is high, isn't it? We're nowhere near in the valley yet. Wow, this is actually quite spectacular. It's really green. It's a the kind of back road. It's a proper mountain road, but it's, the surface is awful. I've been dodging potholes. I'm driving. Ned's podding, but um, it's a bit sketchy. But it feels as if it's almost forgotten and about to be, or as in the process of being reclaimed by nature. But I, I like it. It's kind of quite edgy, isn't it? But beautiful. Both those things, yeah. And the, we're being what's what's really nice is we're being protected on our descent by. Shortly after I, I, this morning when I told you the story of the um, of uh, San Gerardo, the saint, the local saint, um, I went down. There was a religious stall that sold religious artifacts um, right opposite our hotel where the car was parked, and I 
went in and I bought a San Gerardo snow dome they're called aren't they a little one yep. um, so he's just standing there occasionally this flurry of snow comes up and it's got but it's the base of the snow dome has got a kind of slightly velvety sheen to it and it's got enough heft uh, mass to kind of like even though we're not sticking it to the what do you call this the dashboard the, the, the dashboard top, top of the dash, yeah. that top of the dashboard it kind of sits there without moving yeah. and it gives us the feeling of um like we've been guided even though actually San Gerardo is the patron saint of unborn children and pregnant women in a way he's also become the patron saint of the World Feed commentary team yeah I think essentially anybody who generally is a saint there might be one or two rogues they're generally good people and, and three in St John he was a, he was a yeah, rogue he was a, he was a bit of a rogue but he, but he was a he was a lovable rogue wasn't he yeah well yeah, actually that was Jimmy Greaves wasn't he, he was the yeah, lovable rogue yeah St and Greavesy what a show that was we saw didn't we see a um, Greavesy lookalike we did see a Greavesy lookalike Italian Greavesy Italian Greavesy there's a few yeah we've done the looky likey bits but Italian Greavesy did there definitely but uh, yeah back to back to the saint um, he's looking forward he? he's looking ahead at the road looking at the small convoy in front of us and um, yeah he's making he's making me feel pretty safe and, and we're, we're not men of the cloth we're not men of religion but there's something calming that's in the car and the only thing I can put it down to apart from our, our you know both relaxed, nice guys. It is 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 his presence inside the snow dome. Today's finish was quite cool, wasn't it? Apart from the fact that it was an absolutely brilliant race, I loved oh, it today. I thought it was great. And right in the balance, wasn't it? All the yeah, it, it was. It looked like a done deal, and it, and it, and it kind of wasn't at the end. Twenty eight seconds, Lechnerson went into the jersey by when he factor in all the uh, time bonuses, etc. But it, it really did hot up. And the first, compared to yesterday's race, um, which was. I, I, like in racing terms, the first part of Yes's race was a snooze fest. It was, wasn't it? It, it was. It was quite dull. Straight on here, aren't we? We're straight yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Nolijare. Nolijare. Oh, these guys. Yeah. They're honestly, they're like the bane of our life. These guys. They're in the Nolijare is a, 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 a higher company. In fact, the one we happy rent. The one that rented us that car in Sicily that broke down was a Nolijare car, and they're they're. Um, yeah, their slogan is happy rent, exclamation mark. Yeah. Well, I'm not happy about that manoeuvre that knowledge, the Nolijari white van just pulled in front of us. Um, Went off, anyway, whatever. Yeah, that, that wasn't good. I, I'm giving him a wide berth, or a long berth. It's not wide, it's long. I'm, 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 You're laying off. Yeah, I'm laying off. Uh, but, yeah, I, I might tell you about snooze fest. It was, I'm trying to compare the two races. Yes, the two riders went away, did a cracking job, and then got caught, and we had that brilliant finish from Michael Matty. But today, it was on, the race was on. Was it... Was it 70k until the break finally went? It was breathless, wasn't it? Uh, it was, I know it was one, over one minute, one, one minute, one hour 30 until it went. So, And they were doing 46, 45k an hour, weren't they? At least, yeah. So, um, yeah, it would have been that, around about that. It was, um, yeah, it's fabulous. And, uh, yeah, it was the inter- there were all sorts of points of interest um, <clears throat> to take forward to the rest of the three weeks that we could either discuss or, or not, probably not. Or, I think one, uh, one, one, aside from... Great ride by Lechnerson, backing pound, fantastic victory. Um, I think the one, maybe not the one that's so obvious, because often we just look at results and think he won there in the jersey, whatever. The notable thing for me, and I'm wondering if the Ineos Grenadiers did it a little bit on purpose, was the fact that the group that came into the finish with all the GC contenders and Remco Evenepoel, he didn't have one teammate left, and that for me was quite a big takeaway as we head into the as we head deeper into this race. Yeah, they s- stripped them out, didn't they? But, yeah. And and didn't take well, it took a bit, but it, you know it happened quite quickly and it happened repeatedly over the course. It wasn't the only time where Remco was on his own in the in the group. He looks great, despite the fact that weirdly he was literally the only rider in the entire peloton wearing leg warmers until like 40k to go or something. It was that was interesting, but um, 
nothing wrong with Remco, but his team, as we feared it might be or thought it might be, is was not really. I mean, we were saying, <clears throat> you know, you can't send Remco Evenepoel to try and win the Tour de France with a team like that, and it's questionable whether or not you can send him to win the Giro d'Italia with a team like that. Yeah, I mean, he's well, so good he'll probably get himself out of jail in all circumstances but he's on a warning now isn't he with with regards to that yeah and, and I'm you know as an ex-rider and you know we, we look we're analyzing this and it's not it's not about the effort levels of the riders involved because you know the way that ballerina rode early on I mean oh, to for heaven's sake they, they rode each other they rode themselves into it yeah. but they're, they're a different collection of riders and when, when you compare them to the the heft of Jumbo Visma, which has been chipped away because of COVID and stuff, when you look at the squad that Ineos Grenadiers have got here, they're just different. It's That's a team built to contend in the Grand Tour, built to to break up races, to, to whittle things down. Whereas the Sudar Quickstep team isn't that. It's a collection of riders. One or two riders have been brought in specifically to augment that that, that aim and that desire. But it's it's been shown wanting already on stage four. But like you said... Um, Remco is in amazing form. I'm sure he'll peg back some more time um, on um, in the TT on stage nine. But yeah, it's just a just a thing to think about uh, as we head deeper into the race on the real proper mountain stage. This was only a semi a semi mountain stage, wasn't it? It was cool. It broke. To, it, well, the race came over the line in bits and pieces, bits and pieces for 20 minutes after you know um, the race had been won. At least I don't know what the final time was that the Cavendish group came over the line but um, it's quite cool in our commentary position because we have to hang around do loads of stuff after the races won but we could just look look down and sort of it's one of our few times where we actually get to see the riders like really close up they ride very slowly past our commentary position and we can see what's going on and Cav for example came across the line in the company of Max Cantor the German sprinter from um, or lead out man from uh, Movistar and Gianni Moscon and gave Moscon a big hug at the end didn't he like as if to say cheers mate because there is this kind of like camaraderie and shared vested interesting going on in the, in the Gruppetto isn't it yeah because to be fair Astana had a few um, a few guys in the front actually um, Velasco and, um, and the other chap I can't remember but uh, yeah I mean Vadim Pronsky uh, Pronsky um, but yeah they, it was clearly um, Moscon had done quite a bit of riding for Mark Cavendish today and that was a, quite clearly um, yeah much welcomed and it was nice to see uh, Dog Prozac Dog Oh he's lovely Alright mate He's owned I think he's owned He's outside the house Looking quite noble I think won't bundle him Into the back of the car And take him home then No, no, no. Definitely A little bit bigger Which, which rider yep. World Tour rider Is he still a World Tour rider I think he is Which World Tour rider Of Italian heritage Well an Italian um, Once Was at a training camp In Sicily And Drove and picked up a stray dog, bungled it in the back of his car, and took it back to his house in Monaco. Oh, I know this. I know this. Wasn't Caruso, was it? No. Wasn't po- Pozzo Vivo? Was no. It's one of that kind of generation, wasn't it? Should I give you a, a clue? To give me an, an initial I, or a team that he's been with. I, I give you two initials. Okay. FF. Fabrizio. <laughs> F- Fanini. Fabio Fellini. That's oh, oh, I nearly got it right. Fabio Fellini, Trek Sigafredo. I don't think he's riding at. Uh, Does he ride is for Astana? Right. Yes, I think he does. Yeah, yeah him yeah. of the curly right turn here, by the way. Turn, turn, we've got Follow the knowledge yard is happy rent. Yeah. Um, we got a bit giggly, and well, I got a bit giggly. You made me laugh too much today in the commentary. <laughs> there was one I properly. I lost it a bit today. I had to. There was. I mic'd off for ages. Like normally, when you mic off for a little chuckle, it's. I don't know, eight, eight seconds, max. I think I did a full minute. It, it was, it was a minute. 
and I, I, again, it's um, it's like I've done a little bit of commentary could hold the program together, but it's my fault that you. I, we we're just of the life of us, and we, it probably will come to us in a, the next couple of hours, maybe over dinner. We can't remember what it was. What it, yeah, what it, what it was. But I've not seen Ned for a long time. There was a, a yeah, a long time, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe twenty twenty one. You we had a real bad fit at the Googles. It was it, <laughs> and it, nearly two minutes we mic'd up for. Don't remember what that was about, but this one was a this, that was sec- that was second that, that that was big and it was funny. And then I couldn't look at you. I had to kind no, of you can't no eye contact. You have to, and I turned my back to you basically, <laughs> turned my back to you so so as not to distract you. But I could I could tell that out of the corner of your eye, you could see that my shoulders were silently heaving because <laughs> you can't control it. Oh God! If we do remember what it was, we'll, we'll add it into the next uh, the next yeah. edition of the pod, won't we? Yeah, yeah. And we do have uh, um, uh, to at least two listeners, and we're getting record audiences. So thank you. Do spread the word. A couple of Prozac dogs. More dogs. Tiny, tiny ones. Dogs. Look, tiny. No, are they? Are you sure they're dogs, not shrews? I don't know. Is there, are they trying to get across? Uh, Hold on. Oh, they're absolutely minute. Oh. Oh. No. It's right in front of the car. It's like a. C- keep going. Look. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Are they still yeah, alive? Uh, yep, yeah, still alive. But oh, it's the whole. This yeah. four, four, six dogs behind, and they're just chasing us. Are they? The white ones chasing us. Look in the mirror. Oh yeah. Look at that. He <laughs> looks like a polar bear he's leaping over the ice. Up. He's catching <laughs> up. In the mirror. In the mirror. Look. That's amazing. He's catching us up. He's <laughs> <laughs> tiny, the little one. Oh my god, that's the smallest dog. He's doing 35 miles an hour, Matt. Oh, that was an unexpected load of action. Flipping it, six dogs, two of them uh, microscopic. <laughs> they obviously weren't, they must have been Sicilian on holiday or something, I don't know. They were fit dogs, they were basically car chasing dogs, weren't they? Yeah, they were Proper yappy, yeah. yeah. Hubcap chumpers. Um, um, I used to get chased on my bicycle by a fox in southeast London every day. I'd, I'd cycle down the river from North Greenwich Station to my house in, 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 in Woolwich at the time. Super tame, that's not normal, is it? A, a fox always used to spring out of the undergrowth and chase me every single day. And there was only, I, I had no option but to go down that path, and I was braced my, my, every single day, I was bracing myself for this fox. What would it have done if it had caught you? Or just a bit new? I mean, what Because foxes are quite killed timid. me outright. Probably would have taken, would have taken at least an arm off, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, it would have leapt up and ripped out my carotid. Is that carotid artery? Or yeah, whatever? well, just like your throat. Taking the whole. I had all the pipes out in one and go. I left there like gurgling and blood bubbling up from the open wound on my. Just like my neck. Twitching. Twitching on the, on the would, towpath. That's what I imagined would happen anyway, so. So I cycled really fast, Matt, to avoid that. What a brutal ending to that particular portion of the pod. Well, it's not because we, we've got uh, we've got to at least two podcast listeners. We have an apology to make, don't we? Oh, misophonia. Misophonia. Uh, basically, um, I'm not going to do it now. Don't worry. But we, Ned the other day asked me to crunch some crisps uh, in front of the microphone to sort of give you an idea of what the crisps are like, which we did, and I found it quite amusing. And Ned smiled, and I thought it. I thought it was great. I thought it really gave a bit of texture to the pod. And then I also sipped some some cappuccino foam very closely to the microphone. And there was two of you who wrote quite lengthy but quite polite tweets. One of them firmer than the other one. Um, so it looks like we might just knock back the the food and the slurping on the mic. What is fe- me- mesophobia? It's the it's it's a an aversion to some sorts of sounds that, that aggravate somebody. It's you know we've all got it to a degree. 
So it's quite it's on a it's on a, on a sliding scale or a spectrum. So the worst one that most people would have a reaction to is things down a chalkboard. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, Every, so that, I think everyone, everyone feels that. So, so it's that. Yeah. yeah, but then some people have it for something that you might not. You think just birds, bird song, that's or right. yeah. kids, kids in the playground. Some people just hate it and it just goes through them. But right. so. Kind of, I mean, it's not really our fault, but you know, we're, we're we're kind of sorry. We didn't mean it. Yeah. Sorry though. Won't happen again. Right. Uh, Don't mess this up. Oh, this is the Mad Junction, isn't it? Yeah. So we go down there. Yeah, down there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, right. Dialed. I didn't have to steer it at the same time. Well, In 100 okay. meters, merge onto Strada Scorimento Velas SS 691. Hello, Ned. David. Yeah, hi, 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 hi. Nice David, to see you. Nice to see you too. Well, I saw you this time last night, to be honest. Yeah, true. Um, true. But it's not, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not. Where are you, Ned? First of all, where are you? I don't even know where you are. Mm. Oh, you don't know either. No, wait. Oh, wait. actually, you know what? I was listening back. I'm, I'm enjoying yeah. the um, Charlie's little uh, diary entries. They're good, aren't they? They are good. I chuckled really at his good. Monday, very dry Monday comment yesterday. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's very good. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> hey, and also, yeah. and this is something, and maybe it's just me, and maybe I'm yeah. just hearing this. There's a kind of little, I'm getting a slight South African vibe in his accent for some reason. No, I think, well, I'll have to check this with Charlie. In fact, Charlie listens, so Charlie, you might want to respond yeah. um, in your next voice note to what David has just suggested. But I know what you mean. There's something slightly otherworldly about your voice, Charlie. There and is. I'm not sure, I don't know if it's South African. It could be, but it's almost as if you've been in France and Annecy for so long that you've kind of forgotten how to speak <laughs> <laughs> English like a well, normal His intonation person. is just like it's, you know, sometimes with a, a well-spoken South African, you could almost separate every single word. Yes, it's very much. Like I know that. that. I know that. I absolutely well, yeah, know yeah, that yeah. entirely because like, a lot of my family are South yeah. African. So I, I know. Yeah, I know that. And yeah, I'm getting yeah, those yeah. vibes from Charlie. It's kind of this. That's sort of actually a really. That's an interesting observation, and I wonder if it's true. Yeah, could well be. Oh, yeah, be interesting. Charlie, to over to over to you, Charlie. Yeah. Basically, good, good on that one. Um, I'm in wherever the next stage finishes. Is it Sorrento? Don't know. Is, is that is that the name of the place Sorrento. on the coast? Sorrento, thank you, Sorrento, on the coast, on the, so I'm on the Tyrrhenian, just south of uh, Naples. Oh, you're not in one of the grand hotels of Sorrento, this is where I spoke about where I, if I ever think of Italy, I think of the grand Belle Epoque hotels of Sorrento. Uh, no, 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 David, no, I'm not. not, judging you, by your background, no. you are not. No, I mean, no, no, I mean, actually, what is quite interesting is, Matt and I both commented that when we checked in, because it's quite a, a modern and well-appointed sort of three and a half, four-star hotel, dinner was very nice, just had that, um, and... It uh, it's called the Hotel Mediterraneo, so it's kind nice, of got a fairly good. generic name. Um, but it actually felt like a bit like more of a Tour de France hotel than a Giro d'Italia hotels, because ninety percent of Giro d'Italia hotels are family-run institutions, yeah. which are often deeply love loving and loved, yeah. um, and cared for, but verge on the eccentric, mm-hmm. like Basil Fawlty a lot. Style. A lot, yeah. a lot of that going on. So last night's hotel wasn't really a hotel. It was a, actually a religious, um, it was a place of pilgrimage. It was, um, it was every room had a, a wooden crucifix above the, above the beds. And it was actually, it was made for pilgrims, large numbers of pilgrims. Really? 
to come to this rather holy place. So Giro hotels are deeply eccentric. Mm -hmm. This one feels a little bit more Tour de France. It's a little bit more kind of like, oh yeah, okay, it's a hotel like this. It's cookie cut. Um, yeah. 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 But I was going to ask you a question oh, yeah, about yeah. bike racing relating yeah. to what happened today mm. in the race. Have you ever um, been the the rider? It doesn't have to be in a Grand Tour because I don't think it happened to you. It hasn't happened to you in a Grand Tour, but maybe in another bike race who has been kind of given the custodianship of the race leader's jersey. You know, mm. we're going to pass the jersey on for a few days because we don't want to defend it. It doesn't really happen in week-long bike races, I, no. I don't suppose, but has, has that ever happened to you? No, it hasn't. No. I don't think I don't think it actually happens that often. You know, this idea where, you know, Remco Evanapol says I'm going to hand over the jersey on stage four, I'd like to... I mean, that's just worked out mm. to perfection for him. And everybody mm. chase it, but it's not something. If you think, I'm trying to even think of when that happened, when that's last happened. It doesn't. It well, doesn't happen very often, does it? I don't think. Where it's a, where it's a, where it's a mutual acceptance, where the person handing it over, it's worked out perfectly for them. The person who's received it is, yes, that's what I was after because everyone knew that's what the leader wanted to do today. It's kind of the script was perfect today. That doesn't happen very often. I don't think. A lot of, yeah, that's my opinion. I'm probably completely wrong. Well, You're probably going to give me a race from last year, aren't you? Well, at the Giro, it happens. Um, it happened that they they a few years ago. When was it? 2019. Um, they handed. It was Roglic. It was Roglic who mm. handed it over to the race lead over to Richard Carapaz. Grave thinking, error. Grave error and never got it back. Like Carapaz won the that, race. Yeah. And that's why it's um, not really done because it doesn't, I don't know. It seems, especially in modern cycling where it is all kind of every second counts and and we've seen the amount until Tade recently and and even Jonas last year. It's like, the, especially in the Giro and the Volta, he's often had the top 10 on the final day within a couple of minutes. It's like you can't go messing around giving away a jersey. That's very old school. And even mm. then it wouldn't happen that often, I don't think. Mm. Mm. So I think it's something that's well, often spoken about, but it's not It's not something that's actually ever put into practice and actually kind of plays out as you'd hope it would. Yeah. And as I tell you what, so, so, what was so, sorry, no, it's so perfect today no. was it was almost because I saw that Sudal quick step, kind of everyone's like, oh, he was isolated. It's kind of, well, that's perfect. They didn't need to work. That's the whole point. I know they all got dropped, oh. but I'm saying the point is, <laughs> you see what I mean? That's it. Oh, that, yeah. almost, that validates perfectly why they wanted, didn't want to have the jersey. But then also, if you're going in with, with that mentality, the team, whereas we're not going to control it, we've got so much to do in the third week. You're, it's amazing what deep subconscious level that has in your ability to then go deep to support. Because it's like you've all kind of you've already thrown in the towel, and so there's something. Because if you if you then think about bike racing as well, and Ineos used to be really good at this with Team Sky days. They'd split the team up into riders who were there for the second half and riders who were there for the first half. Com completely, and completely. they couldn't pull the skin off custard the first half, like Wout Pauls, <laughs> or sometimes it was Richie Port or something. And but they'd be sitting yeah, at the back completely. of the peloton, 
And you'd think, well, how the hell are they going to turn that round? They're actually on flying form, but their head was switched off and they, they were ordered to be switched off. So it's, it, and we, we often kind of just don't actually give enough kind of credo to the psychological wherewithal. Because it's, I think, pseudo quick step, they've just kind of, they genuinely washed their hands of the race. And that has a deeper sort of level. Anyway, that's, I'm giving that sort of side to it. I mean, I absolutely love all of this because what you're, what you're, what you're exemplifying is the beautiful complexity of a stage like, like this one, which was head and shoulders the best stage of the Giro so far. Mm. It was brilliant. I mean, you missed, I know. Uh, you were just getting updates because you were out and about, but the first hour and a half of racing was absolutely insane today. Yeah. It, was, uh, it, was, it was unreal. And <clears throat> so here's a detail that may have eluded you and all of that because you didn't see it, but might, maybe it just kind of complete a little bit of a picture in what you've just said, which I think is really interesting. But at, in the final, that wasn't the only time that Avonapool was, was isolated today. Huh. He was isolated before, you know, on the, on the big climb in the middle. His team were, poof, were punted really? already. So it already happens. Um, and, uh, but I mean, hats off to some of the riders who were animating things. I, the list is endless. There must be 20 riders to kind of like, you know, tip a hat to, to who tried to force the brake that eventually went, and it went on a descent. Of course it did. It went because Vincenzo Albanese is my f- absolute favourite Italian rider at the moment. He's a lunatic, and I love him to bits. I knew he was a <laughs> prodigiously good climber. I knew that he can compete in a bunch sprint. He finished second to Nicola Bonifazio in a bunch sprint in Sicily. He's incredibly fast. He finishes second and third all the time in all sorts of races. What I didn't know, and what I now know, is that he descends like Vincenzo Nibali. <sighs> like a shark. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he, shark-like. He's, another, he, he's shark-like. He's another Sicilian David. Uh, um, ruthless. But, killer. But, 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 but anyway, so I, I tip my hat to um, Ben Healy. I tip my hat to um, McNulty. Van I saw McNulty going, because when I was... So, yeah, that was the last I, I saw. Tip my, I tip my hat to you and to me. Because last night, this time last night, we were totally yeah. predicting that, weren't we? We yeah. went, McNulty's going to like, ooh, yeah. and it totally, McNulty was off the front so many times. It was incredible. Um, but Avonapool was, an, I don't, I know exactly what you mean about the way mm. that Ineos and um, not just Ineos, other teams have done it in the past where you look after your key mountain domestiques for the third week and they're basically exonerated from kind of like, yeah. they're just not, they're just not there. I don't think Sudal Quickstep are doing that. No. I just don't think they've got, I just don't think they're the team. I don't think we've spoken about doing that. And, and to be honest, even when Sky have done that in the past, they had the strength and depth to still, the majority of the team was still protecting and holding the fort. You know, it wasn't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There were others who were doing a pretty damn good job. Mm. It's just that Whitepools wasn't one of them. Yeah I, yeah. I totally take that. And Sudal were just absent. And also, wow. and also, they they did want to see the jersey today, but they went about it in quite a, either brilliant or confusing way. Either way, it all ended up perfect for them. I mean, mm. what the situation they've ended up with is perfect. It really is. But it was it was kind of interesting to watch them go about it because they held it too close. Yeah. So they were like almost encouraging Jaco Alula. They were encouraging EF. They were encouraging other teams, and then they realised that's too close. Mm. And they backed off dramatically. And at that point, everyone, oh, okay, 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 that's it. So we're dictating terms here, five minutes. And then they suddenly went, hang on, 
five minutes. That's Andreas Lechnersund up the road. He's decent. Yeah. Like, and then they went, and then they start. They put Peter Seri on the front and start to ride really hard again. Oh no! It was kind of, and that and that punted Peter Seri out uh. very fast. So it was a little bit boom or bust with them. Yeah. And then, and I, I, you watch the final, right? Uh huh. So Matt and I drove away. Even after we'd podcasted and the little segment that you heard, we carried on talking about the race that we'd just seen. And we talked for 20 minutes about how it, the only frustration in a wonderful day's racing, from, from, purely from the spectacle point of view, was they had Remco Evenepoel isolated mm. on a, not a high mountain, but a medium mountain stage. He was totally isolated. Which are the dangerous, your, those are the dangerous stages to do it. <coughs> Ineos Grenadiers had five riders still there. Lawrence de Plus, whatever. Uh, Sivakov was still there. Geraint Thomas was still there. Theo Gegenhardt and maybe one other I've forgotten about. Mm. R- Avonapool was isolated. Jumbo Visma had strength there. Bora Hanskor had numbers. You know, no one moved. Aronsman. No. Aronsman was there. Mm. No one moved. That's another stage gone. Yeah. That's another stage gone where Avonapool didn't cede any time. Yeah, are you gonna are you gonna um, win the Giro or not? It's so true, Ned. Yeah, because it's in the medium mountain stages where that's where you can make the difference because that's where riders going through and off. You can't go into the big mountains and expect to, unless you're a Chris Froome and can go on one of those wild days like he did. But it's generally it's these days like today. But I guess I don't know. I think you're right. It's the Ineos have already said they're so focused on the final week. But as you're saying, it's not going to... The final week, that's... If you want to go into the yeah. final week with two and a half minutes to make up on Renko yeah. Evenepoel? No, you don't. And, and Ineos, I'm looking at Ineos particularly today because they were so strong as a team. They, they were, were so strong. They were not strong. I, I saw them in the final, like 20Ks, and they wound it up. And it was just like... Oof. So there are only, what, 20, 21 riders left in that group? Remco's group? Crazy. Something yeah, like it's that. crazy. That's, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, uh, and and the two, well, they've got three irons in the far still in GC because you're right to mention Team and Allensman, but of the two main protagonists, main leaders that they've got, they're both Grand Tour winners. Mm. They're, they're, is on spectacularly good form. Thomas, I just what use them, <laughs> yeah. use them. You know, I know it's so easier said than done. And like in the get and the, and then the risk of it backfiring, and then you attack and even a pool because he's an insane human being counters and then drops you mm. all and takes another thirty seconds. But at least you've asked the question. Yeah. You know, you do all that work to isolate a leader like even a pool, and then you don't mm. do that last. You just don't get that. It just yeah. as a spectator, it sometimes frustrating. It frustrates, you know, but I can't imagine what it must be like in the, in the heat of it all. But I do wonder whether now the dust has settled and the race is over, whether even they are thinking, mm. ah, don't know, because they've got, yeah. they've got, I, they've got different options and they can, I don't know. Whatever. It's our first week fear, isn't it? I think it's, it's the first week fear. Yeah, I mean, I think all we can ever think of, and I was thinking about that again today when I was out riding and thinking about, and even whenever you watch Remco, you think of Simon Yates. You know, when he was just on that scintillating form at the Giro and just cherry-picking stages and attacking all the time and then ended up just crumbling in the final week. And that's yeah. that's recent enough in history for everyone to remember it. 
that there's kind yeah. of it's it's weird how everyone kind of is a little bit as you said they'd rather there's the, the old the, the well the kind of the adage day by day but it's not is it everyone's thinking week by week it's kind of if it was yeah. day by day yeah. you know, Ala Philippe is day by day you know Wout van Aert yeah. is day by day they're just out there imagine Wout van Aert today <laughs> they would have been perfect right yeah it would <laughs> he'd have just kind of really gone would. how are Yumbo how are they riding did they lose another rider today uh, I don't or think so rider. no they, they, one of one of their riders slapped down uh, okay, um, but he young, got back the up. young German Michel Hassmann but he looked okay he looked fine okay. yeah, just on that wet descent um, Sepp was there you so know, good man. doing his Sep thing. Yeah, Primoz was just glued to Remco's wheel, just looking chilled. He's having a uh, fun. This whole is time. like the most chilled. This is a nice chilled isn't start it? for Primoz, isn't it? Yeah, but he's super happy as well. He's just not bothered. It's he's like, oh, it's whatever. Tapped but, into his yeah. inner tade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just rolling with it. Legend. No, it's been. Um, it's it's a really. Good, it was a great day's racing today. But to go back to my original question that I asked you about, you know, have you ever been the the almost the accidental beneficiary of a of a of a of a uh, of a, mm. of a, um, jersey. a jersey that has been handed to mm. you. Um, it, when Tiemann, uh, not Tiemann Allensman, who Andreas Lechtnersund, when he was interviewed immediately afterwards today, he was it was quite clear that he was absolutely devastated not to win the stage. Yeah, and. He was beaten by a much much faster rider, Aurelien Perry Pantre, and hats off to him as well. That's been a that's been a win waiting to happen, I think. It's a, and he executed it brilliantly. But he was you could tell he was gutted not to have won the stage. And he was kind of going through the motions about saying, Yes, but it's wonderful to have the Malia mm. it's wonderful to have the Malia. I it's could sense he didn't really mean it. Yeah, because uh, it's not that moment of throwing your arms in the air and all the no, pictures and all that kind of thing. All. I tell you what it is, that's the I mean we often talk about game theory. In, in uh, breakaways and stuff. That's the ultimate prisoner's dilemma, isn't it? When you're in his position, in the sense that, and everyone can play that against him. They know that he's got the responsibility of the jersey and he's, he can, he's not going to lose everything if he doesn't win the stage. So he's always got that in the back of his mind and you can play that against him. Because yeah, whereas, they totally did today. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's that that's the ultimate one. He'd have had to real double bluff down and go. Because if I kind of play cat and mouse now with Perry Pant and don't beat him, then I'm going to lose the stage and the jersey if I've played too much cat and mouse. So as you kind of you do, you have to have certain courage to kind of double down and go. You know what? I'm willing to lose it all. And so you can't. So it's one of those ones. He probably crossed the line. He's there, and he's kind of just angry at himself that he didn't kind of go for the go for everything which is which is as a full racer mentality to do that to go you know what yeah chips are down i'm you're not i'm calling your bluff i don't care about the jersey yeah oh <laughs> yeah that takes yeah. Uh, that takes a certain amount of kind of charisma and kind of confidence and arrogance to a certain degree and just just as i said just that's just good gaming yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so few riders. We saw that recently. I think. I can't, where was it? One of the stages we were comment race. We were commentating on where somebody ended up not getting the jersey or the stage. It all it all went <laughs> pear shaped. Possibly, yeah. It all went yeah. pear shaped, and it was like, yeah. oh, and they say, so, you know, it's like, oops. It uh, was, um, you know, and weirdly, the the King of the Mountains competition had a had a bit of a bearing 
on the way that how the, was that how was uh, Tebow the, the stage he looks good yeah. and he looks happy ha- and he's well, loving it you know you like it's pretty cool it's yeah. pretty cool yeah but could be a sprint tomorrow David there's a few Ooh. climbs to get over quite substantial ones but then it flattens out the second half of the course and it's all along the coast pouring with rain it's going to absolutely oh, pour with rain side raining here in, in Drona as well yeah <sighs> Damn it. Yeah, it's going to pour with rain in Salerno tomorrow. It's going to be a wet race the whole way round. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, that was the only other, uh, uh, that's the only other detail of today's race I'd like your opinion on. Remco wore leg warmers from the start to around about 35k to go when he took them off. And he was literally the only rider in the peloton to have leg warmers on. That's super strange. He it's wore not leg cold warmers. either, is it? No, not particularly. It, was a, it got pretty wet, as you saw, but it, it's not cold. And he was the only one, the only one. Huh. And that, that in the knowledge as well that like the first hour and a half were going to be really hard, and they were really hard, and he still had the leg warmers on. I don't know what to make of that. It was That's, super weird. I wonder, because they're Castelli now, Sudo Quick Step. I wonder if they're some super lightweight, kind of not leg warmers oh, no, as no you doubt. know it. I'm sure there's, <laughs> I'm so, sure there's some like crazy like but still Tech. makes no sense yeah but yeah, the, yeah they're not going to be leg warmers as we know them that's for sure no they're going to be something no. No. crazy because no. but yeah that's that's, no. that's a kind of statement stuff as well that's literally like guys i'm not interested in racing today look at it i got leg warmers on what i said about <laughs> wanting to lose the jersey day that's a fact because i'm wearing leg warmers true, everybody true. i'm wearing leg warmers i'm, <laughs> I'm not racing today it's like literally <laughs> <laughs> it's a pro cyclist way of waving a white flag yeah well tomorrow tomorrow we'll see him in the rainbow jersey because he's not even in the white jersey either so um so there you go uh good. yeah it's all good mm. um right i need to get this edited david yeah and up the line all right very um, good and uh i'll speak to you tomorrow maybe yeah yeah, yeah definitely all i'm right. gonna be in i'm gonna be in napoli tomorrow night oh, so it could awesome. be a pizza situation yeah, yeah. all right good. speak to you from naples tomorrow david oh, cheers i've seen it